Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the studio. I am your host, Angel Bernard. What is going on? How's it going? I'm sorry the podcast is a little late. I really am. Uh, Time got the best of me. Uh, The truth is, I've been in a long custody battle with Joe Rogan over podcast territory here in Texas. I won, obviously. And so so that's why this podcast is late. I couldn't release another episode until litigation was over. And now here we are. Um, But it's great to be back. I've actually been looking forward to telling the story for some time now, probably since before I even launched the podcast. Uh, Today is the day where I finally get to come forward with my story as a brave hero of how I was robbed my third day in Chicago. And so for a little bit of background around last summer, I decided it was time to leave California After COVID hit and everything essentially went to hell, I told myself that it was time to go. The vibes, the infrastructure, it was all off. It was crumbling down. And so I don't want to bore you guys with the details as to why I left, because I'm sure you have heard all the reasons from every other single person in the state. So I'm just going to pass through all of that. Just long story short, I jumped ship and I would do it again tomorrow. So... I land at O'Hare from LAX, and the plan is to stay in a hotel for about a week or so while I look for a place to stay. Uh, And I'm not entirely sure if you guys have heard, but Chicago is a little violent. It's sort of, kind of, a war zone. And I was well aware of this, so the months leading up to me taking off, I was researching, and I have a couple friends in the area, so I reached out to them. And they kind of gave me the lay of the land. I wanted to know which neighborhoods were safe, which neighborhoods weren't. Uh, I had a complete game plan. Map of the city was certain areas crossed off with red pen. I had it all planned out. It looked like I was about to invade Normandy. That's what my map looked like. And so I refused to be one of those people who just kind of let their their naivety get the best of them in a big city. You know, I wasn't going to be one of those stories you hear about. You know, you hear stories about the person who gets off on the wrong train stop and they're immediately stabbed in the chest. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to be that person. That was the goal for me. So I'm waiting for my Uber outside of O'Hare and the Uber gets there. I hop in with all my stuff and, you know, me and him, we get to talking really cool guy, usual small talk. And then I let him know I'm from California looking to move to Chicago for the indefinite future. And he's listening, nodding his head. And, you know, there was like this quick brief pause and he looks at me through the rear view mirror and he says, so do you own a piece? And me being from San Diego, I was really taken back by that question. Uh, I'm also sure if you haven't heard, uh, there's a rumor going around that Southern California is just a bit progressive. Like, here's the thing. People from San Diego, they don't own guns. <laughs> There's no need to own a gun in San Diego because it's not that serious. Everyone is eating edibles and riding longboards. No one is even thinking about how they might have to kill someone on their way home from work. So I gave kind of like this nervous laugh and I tell him I don't own a gun. And as soon as I say that, he starts chuckling and he makes eye contact with me through the rearview mirror and half jokingly, half serious, he asked, you're moving to Chicago and you don't own a gun? And it was in that moment where I realized all of that planning that I had done, it really didn't matter anymore. Like, what does Mike Tyson say? Everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. 
this Uber driver was that punch in the face for me. You know, so so now I'm I'm starting to panic a little, and I I start asking a bunch of questions, but I'm trying my best to not like let the bitch in my voice come out. I ask him what streets to avoid, what neighborhoods are you know are safe to move to. He really broke it down for me. Like he broke it down for me in a way my white suburban friends could never do. You know, like don't carry cash, never leave the house alone after midnight, stay north of Pilsen. Uh, do not go. To, do not go south under any circumstances. He he specifically said to not go see the Gallagher house from Shameless because that is how dangerous it is. Like don't call an Uber and hop out really quick to take a photo. Like it's that serious uh, because crime is so much higher during the summer because during the winter it's too cold to really do anything. So people really have to hustle hard during the winter months because time is of the essence. And the last thing he told me, and I'll never forget this, he said he always carries a gun and that I should do the same. He said, you should always carry a gun with you for your safety. Just remember that people shoot back here. And so I'm, I'm trying to process all of this and we pull up to the hotel. I get out. He tells me, good luck, you know, shakes my hand. I check in, my friends come over, all of that nonsense. And the first order of business is to check out the city. So we all head out, we walk around, grab a bite, a few drinks. They really help me get a sense of the vibe of the city. And so the neighborhood where I'm staying and where I'm planning on moving to is, it's River North. And for those of you who've never been to Chicago, River North is basically, it's what's shown in the movies. You know, it's the, the river, the bridges, Willis Tower, Trump Tower. It's the big city. It's a bit pricey, uh, but being from California, the rent prices in River North, like they're actually cheaper than a one bedroom in San Diego. Um, so the rule I gave myself was simple. I will only move states if I were moving to a very nice area in the middle of the city. Since rent, I was a little bit more flexible because it's cheaper in Chicago than it is in California. I had that kind of leeway. So that was my, that was my one rule move to where it is safe. And I know that comes off as privileged and extremely ignorant. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't give a fuck because everyone wants to be wealthy. Everyone wants to be in the wealthy crowd. And if you say you do not, you are a liar and you should be banished from society. <laughs> People who lie about obvious truths, they really need to be thrown off the face of the flat earth. ASAP gone forever. There are two types of people in this world that I do not trust and I will never trust. The first are people who say they do not want to be wealthy. If you do not want to acquire wealth, what are you doing here? If you aren't trying to become rich, why do you work all day, every day, seven, seven days a week? Genuine question. If your end game isn't to be able to create some sort of legacy for yourself or for your family, what is the point? What are you doing? Do you know the best way to leave a legacy behind? You leave money. You leave behind money so people can hopefully do good with it long after you are gone. That's what you do. What are you going to leave behind some horseshit manifesto about positive thinking for your great grandkids to use as firewood during the great American collapse? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to do literally nothing 
to provide for future generations except talk about yourself and the avocado toast you had for breakfast to 10,000 other morons on the internet? Is that what you're going to do? And so th this leads me to the second type of person that I do not trust. The person who promotes positivity 24-7 every single day. I refuse to trust someone like that. I promise you no one is positive or happy every single second of the day. And if they are, they need to be locked in a padded cell because they are certifiably insane. Stop with this bullshit narrative that if you are not happy every second of every day that there's something wrong with you. Like, how fucking privileged do you have to be to tell someone to be positive every single day? Imagine telling a child refugee in a third world country who is hiding in a hole because his entire family was a victim of genocide. Imagine telling him to think positive. I bet if you did that, that kid would call the rebels on himself just to get the fuck away from you. So please, think about how fucking moronic it is to not only expect yourself, but to expect others to be happy-go-lucky all the time. I know life is good from your two-bedroom apartment where you're one block away from Whole Foods and two blocks away from your favorite vegan restaurant, but there are people out there with actual fucking problems. And the funny thing is, people who promote love and positivity, they tend to be the shittiest people on the face of the earth. People who post Instagram stories or reels about how we need to love others tend to be complete pieces of shit. Like, thank God these people don't have more followers because if they did, they would probably become the next Hitler or Stalin. These influencers, they don't donate. They ride in town cars so they have the least amount of exposure to the real world as possible. And they would gladly execute every single one of their family members in the street in broad daylight if it meant gaining another, another 100,000 followers. I would trust someone like me who gives everyone shit, someone who owns up to the fact that they are a psycho before I trusted someone who had a podcast that talked about positive mindsets. You know why? Because at least with the first person, you know what you're getting. There aren't any games. So get off your moral high ground and stop giving me shit when I publicly say I want to be part of the 1%. Because in reality, we all do. And the crazy thing is I, I used to want to be, I used to be pro eat the rich. I used to want it, burn it all down. Billionaires shouldn't exist. No one needs that much fucking money. But here's the reality. The rich aren't going anywhere. All this bitching you have done on Twitter for the past 12 months has made no difference whatsoever. You know how I know? Because the wealthy made a trillion dollars off of the pandemic in the past year alone. So your bitching and your rioting only made them richer. They aren't going anywhere. Wealth is at an all-time high. The only place they're probably going, they're probably going to go behind higher walls. That's the only place they're going to go. And I hope I can join them. I've realized that my best bet is to marry into one of these families and kind of be like their mascot or their tax write-off or like whatever the fuck. Whatever I have to do just to get me behind those walls. And here's the thing. Um, I've always been extremely interested in the super wealthy. I'm not talking about a four-bedroom house on a hill in some rinky-dink small town. I'm talking about multiple ten-bedroom mansions all across the globe. Private jets, teams of chefs and nannies. I'm talking about generational money. Three, four, maybe even five generations of money. That's what I want. That's what I want to marry into. 
I was actually, I was talking to a friend last night and I told her that I'd like to think that in a past life, I was one of the elite. I think that's the only valid reason as to why I've been so interested in people like this. I'd like to think in another life, I was a trust fund baby who vacationed in the Hamptons every summer, who would run away to his parents' four bedroom apartment in Manhattan, who spent his teen years at a boarding school like Phillips because mom and dad, they, they weren't really around, you know, and who then went on to a prestigious school like Harvard or Oxford, but I wasn't really happy there. I just kind of mainly got in because of my family legacy. Uh, really, my dream, it was to go to NYU and to paint my hair red and major in the arts. But that didn't happen because dad, he ran like a hedge fund or he worked with Rockefeller and the oil monopoly. And he expected me to take over the company after I graduated from Harvard. But I didn't want that. I, I didn't want to start drilling for oil in international waters because my time away at these prestigious schools really opened my eyes that the world is so much bigger than I thought, you know? And it just made my dad even more mad because it fed into the narrative that academia is too liberal and he's not really sure if this is how I feel or if this is my way of getting back at him for never being around. This is the kind of life I think that I had in a previous life. I really do. So when people ask me why I chose River North, I just tell them it's a long story. I tell them it's a really long story. Like I'd probably have to go back a hundred years to give you the reason why I moved to River North. I guess you could say the reason I was moving to a place five blocks from Millionaire's Row in Chicago is because it's what my ancestors would have wanted. It was my destiny. It was my destiny to get drunk on a rooftop across the river from Trump Tower and completely ignore my responsibilities. It was out of my hands. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. Uh, but here's the thing about River North, people. It is truly one of, those, one of the most beautiful places I have ever been to. It really is a whole vibe. You know, you're, you're walking on the sidewalk, passing all of these breathtaking buildings. You hear the sounds of the city. Music is going, giving you a little pep in your walk. It's a little warm because it's August, but it's not too warm. You have a couple of drinks in you from O'Gallagher's. Maybe a little puff or five or seven off of a joint on your way to grab some deep dish from Luz. And you just realize, I'm fucking here. And it all just, it feels so damn good. You realize this is what it's all about. This is what life is supposed to be. The laughs, the smell of the pizza, the random Midwesterners saying hello to you. You realize this is what our founding fathers fought the British for. They fought the British for this, not so you can meditate for eight hours a day because you're on the brink of an emotional breakdown, not so you can go to school to get a degree for a job that doesn't exist. It's not that. They fought the British so that we could get as fucked up as we possibly could in a city thousands of miles away from home. That's what it is. Don't let anyone try to take your life experiences from you. I'd rather burn bright and die fast than live to be a hundred where I have to have 50 vaccines and still be $100,000 of debt after 20 years of paying. Fuck that. I promise you, if you told one of your ancestors who died fighting the Redcoats in Lexington and Concord that your plan was to never experience anything, it was to just go to school for the first 25 years of your life and then become a slave to another monarchy, 
If you told them that, they would bash you over the head as hard as they could with their musket. And that is a fact. So next time you're too scared to leave your comfort zone, just remember whose face you're spitting in. So that's what I was doing in Chicago. I was being an American hero. And it was, it was also intoxicating. Like, it was so intoxicating that it made me forget that I was in one of the most violent cities in the country. It almost made me forget that I could get stabbed in the chest for no reason. And you know what? That was a risk I was willing to take. I am willing to get murdered on the L if it means cheap rent and good food. So everything was going great, folks. The rules my Uber driver gave me, the map I made before I left, everything was working like a charm. Until my third day. And this is really when things began taking a turn for the worse. This is really when things went south very quickly. Looking back, I should have known that things were going to kind of go to hell uh, because I broke one of the golden rules. I was carrying cash on me. I made it a point to not carry cash the entire time up to that point, uh, but I had to pull out cash because in the morning I was going to go to uh, an herbal center <laughs> and they only accepted cash. So it's getting late. I'm super hungry. I go to the ATM, pull out some cash, go to my hotel, order Portillo's uh, through Postmates. The delivery driver calls me and tells me he missed the front entrance of the hotel, but he's on the corner. He just passed the lobby. I tell him no biggie. I know exactly where he is and I'll be right there. And so like, the, so I'm walking down and I stay on the phone with the guy and I'm making my way out of the hotel and I'm walking down Grand. And suddenly I just, I started getting this feeling. My, my spidey senses started tingling. I, I just knew something, something was wrong. My caveman DNA was starting to kick in like when you're being stalked by a predator and something just tells me that I need to get the fuck out of there. It's one of those situations where, where you know something is going to go down, where you know something is about to happen. And usually when there's tension in the air like that, I am usually the, I'm usually the, the one that the bad thing happens to. Like if a car were to crash into a coffee shop and only kill one person, I would be that person. That's just my life. That's really just how the cookie crumbles. So I'm working my shit out, asking myself what the exit strategy is here because something is off. You know, I'm, I'm walking and I can't just bail because obviously I see the delivery driver. He's parked right there. And suddenly my suspicions, they're confirmed. All I hear is, hey, yo. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to ignore this person. I'm on the phone with the guy. I'm not confrontational whatsoever. Um, so I keep walking and the car is getting closer and closer. And then I hear it again. Hey, yo. And a few more seconds. And then I hear him a third time. Hey, yo, white boy, you don't hear me calling you. And when he said this, I should have just, you know, ran to the car, grabbed the food and ran back inside. Because I promise you nothing good has ever come after Ayo white boy, you don't hear me calling you. So, and the guy suddenly steps in front of me, just this tall dude with dreads and a black shirt who could knock me out with like half a punch, you know, and he gets right in my face. This dude didn't care about COVID masks. He didn't care about social distancing. I mean, his shoes were filthy 
And every guy knows that if a guy has fucked up shoes, it means he really doesn't give a fuck about anything. It means he has nothing to lose. So I, I immediately know I'm fucked. And again, I'm not a confrontational person. So I take a step back and I say, hey, man, I'm on the phone. I'm in a hurry to meet someone. And he says, I was calling you because I need a dollar, man. I'm hungry. Help me out. And me being a naive California kid, I reach into my back pocket, pull my wallet out. And as soon as he sees it, he snatches it out of my hand, shoves me to the ground, grabs the cash and throws everything else on the ground and takes off. I'm scrambling on the ground trying to pick up my wallet, cards, IDs. And from the corner of my eye, I see another guy coming, like making his way towards me. And I just said, fuck it, fuck the food. I have all my stuff. And I did a full sprint back to the lobby. And as soon as I got inside, I ran to the front desk. And I said to the guy, someone just took all of my money. And he looks at me for a couple seconds. And he says, so you were robbed. And when he said this, it, it really took me by surprise. Because I had not even realized what had just happened. That's how foreign I was to this world. That's how much of a culture shock everything was. And folks, I, I wish I could say this is where the story ended. I wish I could say that I went back up to my room, fell asleep, and just forgot about everything. Uh, but that's not the case. Not at all. After I talked to the front desk, I made my way back up to my room, and I just called it a night. I'm shook up. I'm confused. I'm reanalyzing my entire life. And as I'm laying in bed, it's about midnight, and I hear this loud honking. And then I hear another, then another. And then it, you know, it all merges together to where it's like a never ending sound of honking cars. So I go to the window and I look out and there's just this huge traffic jam all throughout the city. And there are people running through the streets, breaking windows. There are people carrying fences. People were carrying fences and putting them against the walls and using them as ladders to get to the second floor of buildings. It was like some pro level criminal shit. Like I have a video on my phone. If you guys want to see it, let me know. I can put it on my Instagram story uh, so I can show you that I'm, I'm really not lying. Like they're like pro level criminals. And all I kept thinking was that there was nothing really stopping them from breaking into the hotel lobby. And they're like, because there's no sort of moral code of ethics going around. Like this isn't, I'm not the main character of a movie. Like it's not like they would rob everyone in the hotel, but me. So I'm super confused and I turned to the only place I could think of for like reliable news, uh, which is Twitter. And I'm, I'm reading all of these stories and I guess, I guess what had happened was that there was another case of police brutality. But the thing was, it wasn't. The details had gotten lost in translation. It wasn't a case of police brutality and the victim wasn't dead. He had been shot by the police because he had fired his weapon first. Uh, and But here's the thing, these were not protests. This was just pure anarchy and looting. People just wanted a reason to burn shit down. They didn't care if the story was right or not. And as I'm reading all of these tweets and watching videos of people breaking into buildings literally down the street from me, I start hearing gunshots in the distance. And automatically I tell myself, okay, I, I'm not dying sober. That was my first thought. If I'm going to die like this, I want to be at least as fucked up as humanly possible. So I make my way down to the front desk and I ask the guy for like those couple, like those mini bottles of vodka they have. Uh, he chuckles a bit and with no fear in his voice whatsoever, he asks, 
first riot. And I was so taken back by the casualness in his voice that I, that I didn't even know how to respond. I just kind of shook my head like an idiot. He then says, well, man, we can't sell liquor past midnight. It's a state law. And then he looks around and he makes sure no, one's, no, one, no one is around to see us. And then he slides too many bottles to me and he says, but here, it's your first riot. Welcome to Chicago. And to this day, this, this whole thing makes me laugh. And I'm not sure if that's how I process trauma, but holy shit, you have to be able to laugh. That's what really got me through that. I mean, the vodka did help, but what helped was me hysterically laughing in my room like a psycho about the fact that these people could come in and kill me at any second. Gunshots were going off in the background. You could see people scrambling in panic through their apartment windows. It was in this moment where I realized I never wanted to live in an anarchy state. I never want to have to fight in a revolution. Would I fight if I had to? Of course. But this isn't some movie scene where you somehow survive because you're the main character. It doesn't work that way. The idea of living in an anarchy state or the idea of overthrowing the government, it sounds so much more fun when you're talking about it with your private school friends on your way back from class. I used to be pro-eat the rich, pro-revolution. I was all of these things when I was living on the ninth floor in San Diego, California. When I was living in a neighborhood that had been gentrified so much that crime was essentially non-existent. The idea of overthrowing the government and producing anarchy seemed so appealing because I had a, a security guard working the front desk of my apartment building. But a lot of people don't, they don't really want to realize these things. They don't want to think these things through. They'll tweet about how we're living in fascism. And then they'll talk about how Chrissy Teigen left Twitter. Like just the dumbest shit. Like, listen, no one cares that Chrissy Teigen left Twitter. Don't you have a hobby? Don't you, don't you do anything with substance? Do you have no shame? And I, I guess, I guess she left Twitter a couple hours ago. And as soon as I heard the news, I had to see what this all was about. For the sake of this podcast, I had to put myself in a bad mood. So I went to go read her 18-page monologue about why her leaving Twitter is so fucking monumental. And I couldn't even make it past the first sentence. I couldn't make it past the first sentence. Because she starts it off with, Hey, for over 10 years, you guys have been my world. And as soon as I read that, I was out. I was done. Really? Your Twitter followers have been your world for the past 10 years? Don't you have kids? Oh no, how else are people gonna, gonna know what I'm constantly doing? I guess they'll have to use Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Clubhouse or TikTok or the tabloids to keep up with you, Chrissy Teigen. How horrible. Well, Angel, you're just a hater because she's rich and famous and you are not. Well, buddy, fuck you too. Stop using fame and wealth to excuse these horrible people. Unless it's me, of course. If I were to even be so lucky to get half of the following she has, I vow right here and now to spend every waking moment of my life convincing you to join my cult. That is what I vow to do. If I have a following half as big as hers, I will make sure you all join my cult. Because that is the end game here. So in closing, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. 
I can't believe people are actually listening to me talk nonsense every single week, but I really appreciate it. We're really building up momentum here and we haven't even scraped the surface yet. So I'm really excited to show you guys what I have planned. Uh, so please uh, go follow me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, the Angel Bernard. And please go follow my business account at the Soto Studio, T-H-E-S-O-T-T-O-S-T-U-D-I-O. I have new tech coming in the mail. It should be here by Friday and it's going to be really top notch and it's going to take things to another level. Uh, like I said, I have big things planned. Also, last week I said to write in, please do, how to get through a breakup, how to invest in crypto, how to break up with someone, uh, should I quit my job and fake my death, whatever you want old glasses to give you advice on, feel free to write it in. Anyways, I love you guys. I'll see you next week. And now it's time for ads. This episode is sponsored by Big Daddy Joe Biden and his Biden Bucks. It is sponsored by Joe Biden and South Kakalaka Harris. Uh, $1,400, people. $1,400. All it took was a year for this government to get some decent amount of money out to its uh, citizens. And even then, it's still too late. We're all still fucked. Uh, $1,400 is nothing. But hey, spend it on whatever you want. I think at this point, you have every single right to take that $1,400 and spoil yourself with it. Fuck rent. Fuck the landlords. Fuck the government. Take that money and do what you want with it. It is well within your means to do that. You deserve that. Do not pay that shitty landlord. Do not give him your only lifeline. And I, I don't know if we're going to get a fourth stimmy. Probably not because this government hates happiness. So yeah, take your money and spend it on, on whatever you want. I spent this on this podcast. That's what it's sponsored by. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I used my Big Daddy Biden money to sponsor this podcast because it gave me another chance to take your stimulus check and donate it to this podcast. Like I said, do whatever you want with it. But I think you should donate to this podcast. Uh, it's not fun hosting the end of the world. It's it's not fun, but I make it funny because, like I said, I use trauma. I use laughter to get me through my trauma. So yeah, take your take your stimulus and do whatever you want with it. Preferably donate to this podcast um, so that we can get shit going. So sponsored by Joe Biden. Thank you. I should have bought a PS5. I really should have bought a PS5. Uh, but anyways. Sponsored by Joe Biden. Congrats. Donald Trump. I hope his signatures are on it just to piss people off. Yeah, so God bless America. Uh, God bless my cult followers. And God bless me. Thanks.